Are you looking for God's hand in your life? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. We're in the middle of a three-part series of an interview I did with Mr. Willie Penner. Mr. Penner grew up in Poland and experienced many challenges during World War II. He shares openly about his life and how God has been faithful throughout despite so many challenges. If you missed the first podcast, I would urge you to go back and listen to that one first as we include a brief summary of the historical setting into which Willie was born. Today we'll hear about a miraculous delivery from danger that Willie experienced and what that taught him about the Lord. First, however, we start with Willie explaining how he came to America. When we encountered my dad in Germany, he was uh, taken, been taken prisoner of war, but he was released and he worked for a farmer in northern Germany. And uh, the farmer told him, now, if your family comes, uh, he had other people living with him. He said, if I can house, I can take on one more person if it's your son, but if it's your wife and your son, I can't. So he was again, we were homeless again. And so he had made arrangements with uh, with the Mennonite MCC ref, uh, organization in uh, West Germany. They had established several refugee camps where people like us were released, you know, and were gathered up. I mean, there were hundreds, sometimes over a thousand in these encampments where these people were fed uh, large rooms were rented. Actually, in most cases, they were dance halls. And they were partitioned off like a seven by seven foot, like a big bathroom with blankets. And they had uh, bedding on both sides. You had a little 30-inch hallway between. And uh, we were so close together. Boy, if you got on top bed, you could look into everybody's room, you know, which was obviously a no-no. But they also helped us uh, not only give us temporary housing, but they helped us to connect with our uh, sponsors in the United States or Canada or Paraguay. And, uh, you know, my mom had a brother and a sister living in Oklahoma. My dad had a brother living in Hillsborough, Kansas, you know. But the problem was we lost everything, even the addresses. And so we had no way of uh, connecting and asking our our family to sponsor us, you know. So my dad wrote a letter, and on the envelope he put on her everything he could think of that might, uh, for the postmaster, you know, to uh, help find the right person, which they eventually did, you know. The letter was passed back and forth, and finally finally the right person opened it, you know. And once we found one of them, we found the rest of them, and they yeah. became our sponsors because uh, I passed health conditions. My parents didn't. They had health issues, you know, and so we had to have sponsors who would assume the responsibility of us having a job, uh, having get started, and that we would not become a burden to the society. Uh, how old are you, how old were you when you came over? Okay, when we came, I was thirteen years old. Wow. I spent fourteen months. We spent fourteen months in Germany, out of Poland, twelve age 12 and then out of Germany 13, 14 months later. So, Did you, um, having been through all that, did you experience um, a degree of insecurity and not knowing oh, really goodness. what? That's a good question. The biggest thing was uh, 
the awkwardness. I mean, the fact that we were German nationality because our forefathers who immigrated here were also the same Germans, you know, came from Poland. The only language we spoke now was German. And, you know, America had fought against Germany in World War II. And here, four, five years later, we are in America, and they know this. And, uh, uh, man, I'd go with my folks, and I caught on to the English a little sooner. I'd have to translate for my parents, uh, and people would listen to us, and they could tell we were speaking German, you know. So, again how a bad situation can be a good thing. Like uh, Romans 8.28 says, what all things work together for good to those who love God. And man, I told myself, boy, I want to learn English in such a way that people were not going to be able to detect that I'm a foreigner. And so I worked at it very hard. In school, I took two grades in one year. Uh, at the age of 13, they put me in first and second grade because the teacher there probably was the issue. She spoke German. Uh, but then two weeks later, they put me third, fourth grade, and then fifth and sixth grade. I finished grade school in about three and a half years. And then I went to a parochial high school. Actually, my wife-to-be was in that school there, and we went to the same church even. But we, you know, never spoke because upperclassmen don't speak to lowerclassmen. And here, you know, there was, we we're both the same age, but I was three, four years behind, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, I, I was able to finish uh, high school, the Corn Bible Academy, in three years. Uh, I went to the superintendent and asked him, I said, I'd, I'd even take correspondence to be able to catch up. My motto my, under my picture in the high school uh, years was, uh, I don't work for fame. Graduation is my aim. <laughs> That's great. I tell you, but uh, year after I came to the United States, we had other distant cousins who lived in the same area of uh, around Clinton, Oklahoma, Cordell, little village of Bessie, and Corn, Oklahoma, and they asked me to work for them. And... Uh, on this particular day, uh, I think God was trying to make a point with me. You know, God doesn't talk to us in our English language. Uh, I was 14 years old now. I worked for my cousin. We were mowing hay and raking and uh, going to bail, you know. Eddie uh, Maggard, my cousin, said, Do you want to? I want you to drive this Alice Chalmers with a rake. And uh, we had a little uh, lunch break. His wife was there, three little boys, one and a half, three, and five years old. And we had this nice little fellowship together. Otherwise, he was an honorary guy. And uh, so as we walked to our my tractor first, Eddie says, you know, there's that little cloud in the northwest. If by chance that develops, we want to meet at this corner, and uh, then we'll go home on one tractor. So I got on my tractor, and I was at the far end, and boy, lightning struck distance, but I could hear it already. So, man, I advanced the throttle, and I could see Eddie going to that corner. And, uh, boy, by then, uh, I had some encounters herding cattle in Poland, you know, being out in the open, and it, I was afraid. So by the time I got around, it was probably 
eight minutes, and boy, Eddie came to me. He was visibly nervous. Uh, we unhooked the rake, and he said, let me drive. So we got off the tractor. Uh, I got uh, out of the seat. He got into the place here, and I stood right behind him on a little platform. And we drove through the ditch real quick, and we were going to just hook onto the wagon and drive home half a mile. And as he, and I haven't quite figured out, as he stopped to shift gears from forward to reverse, a bolt of lightning hit him right in front of me. And it knocked me off the tractor about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet. And I knew I wasn't unconscious because when I looked up, I could still see him hanging onto the steering wheel and his head kind of slumped over the steering wheel. And I said, Eddie, Eddie. Boy, he would not respond. I didn't feel anything but a force, you know. And then I, just in my simple mind, he's he's gone. He's got killed. So I started running across the field home to tell his wife. As I started running, I noticed the tractor was still running. So I ran back and killed the tractor. And here in the middle of the road, that tractor is, is sitting, still running. But I killed it and I start running. And I knew that every step I would take, it could be me. Every step. I didn't know, should I walk or should I run? But I was so scared. I couldn't figure out, what is this all about, you know? He got killed. He had, he had a wife. He had three little boys. Of course, I had parents coming up, you know. I ran home. There was no lightning or anything after that. I said, Eddie died. Boy, we got into their old uh, 47 Chevy. Went out there, and he was still sitting on the tractor. And we, she drove to the little town of Bessie, and she... Uh, we called the ambulance from there, and she just uh, went on to Clinton and met the ambulance, and I stayed home. And After thinking about this incident for many years, I still think about it. The one thing I had a hard time figuring out is, why did God spare my life? That was one thing. Why did it take Eddie? And number two, it was a tremendous illustration to me what Jesus did for me. He took my place on the cross. It should have been me. 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 Truly, we can say regarding the work of Jesus on the cross, it should have been me. It should have been me. We are each guilty and full of shame, but Jesus came to pay for that guilt and shame and offer us a new life in him. How do we obtain that life? In John 6:47, Jesus promises us, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And in John 3:16 through 18, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. End quote. So what is required to obtain eternal life? What's well, certainly not our good behavior or good works. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 promises that it is by grace we are saved through faith, 
and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not trying harder to please Him by going to church more or memorizing more scripture. It's not obeying the Ten Commandments. No, my friend, what is required, according to Scripture, is believing in Jesus alone for eternal life, which can never be lost. Join us next time for our third and final episode with Mr. Willie Penner as he relates how God alone orchestrates our circumstances and our agenda. I know you won't want to miss that encouraging podcast on making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.